teaching this morning for you from the book of Proverbs, which maybe is a little different. We don't tend to spend a lot of time in the Proverbs, or if we do, we certainly don't tend to preach from it all that often. And one of, those, one of the reasons for that is if you just read a chapter in the Proverbs, it's, it feels like it's all over the place. Uh, there's After the first nine chapters of the Proverbs, you get just these small Proverbs, one after another, and cover a huge range of topics. So what I have for us here are excerpts from the Proverbs that speak particularly to the issue of anger. And the reason we've done this is that the, the book of Proverbs feels really foreign and difficult to work through by its very nature. This is this wisdom, in, in, but, it, but it particularly the way it's organized is it from a different culture that isn't the way we would necessarily organize our thoughts. And what's more than that, a proverb is not this universal truth that's just this one-off thing that's always true, but rather they're always relevant when they're rightly applied. And here's the catch. It takes wisdom to apply them rightly. So the book of Proverbs is the place to spend time, to move slowly, and to really let the wisdom of these of these brief verses really sink into our hearts. They're not magic words, uh, but they, they are words of wisdom. And ultimately, I think we will see this morning that they point us to Jesus Christ. So the, the selection before us speaks most clearly to the problem of anger. They're printed for you in your bulletin insert, so please follow along with me as I read from the book of Proverbs. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue, angry looks. A stone is heavy, and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. The word of the Lord. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And you can see just from this brief reading in the Proverbs how after a while it becomes overwhelming. You need time to stop and think about these. Just one after another is not the way that these are meant to be um, read and taken in. And so we are going to spend some time looking at several of these more closely this morning. But before we do that, this is, this is God's wisdom. This is the wisdom of God. If you're, if you're visiting this church or you're not a Christian today, probably I think you can agree with a lot of what you heard read here. A lot of this is just common sense wisdom that most of the world would agree with Christians on, would agree with the Bible on. One of the things I did as I was looking at anger in the Proverbs was I wanted to see what, what is the general thinking of the world around us, the, the world's wisdom with regard to anger. And I think there's some, some pretty good stuff out there. I went to a site called HowStuffWorks.com, which is a great place to go if you're looking to uh, you know, waste a lot of time reading about interesting things. Not that you all need more sites. They also have a good podcast that I like to listen to. But they, they just do a great job of collecting wisdom and educated studies and kind of distilling them for you know, us regular folks to understand. And one of the things they noticed was that they, there are tons of studies done on the effects of anger. This is something that people love to study. And here's, here's part of the reason. In one study of almost 13,000 subjects, individuals with the highest levels of anger had twice the risk of coronary artery disease and three times the risk of heart attack as compared to the subjects with the lowest levels of anger. And some scientists think that chronic anger may be more dangerous than smoking and obesity as a factor that will contribute to early death. Can you believe that? It's crazy. And they're saying this study, and a lot of scientists believe anger is worse for your body, your physical well-being, than obesity and smoking. So there's obviously a real problem with anger that I think everyone in our world can can see. Some it's not hard to see that anger makes us uncomfortable. It, causes a lot of problems. So, how does the, how's the world, what, what, what have we seen, what, I mean, this isn't Christians, this is just the wisdom, what's been out there, what's been seen, and how, how people typically manage their anger. So, there's typically one of, if we're going to simplify it, one of three forms, anger in, anger out, and anger control. Anger in is turning your anger inward, so you get really angry, and this method of keeping anger inside, here's what it says, it's been described as depression. And this method is, interestingly, overwhelmingly observed in women who feel that society frowns upon angry women. Isn't that interesting? Anger held in can leak out in unproductive, passive-aggressive ways, such as sulking or backhanded sarcasm. But then anger out is no better. It's expressing anger outwardly in ways that include physical assault on people or objects or hostile verbal assault. Uh, and, of course, if the one tends to be more seen in women, you can imagine the other one tends to then be more seen in men. But we see both in women and in men, right? 
right? And then they go on to speak about anger control being, being the answer, being the third way, the way that we should seek. Well, we're not necessarily looking for how stuff works to, to show us the answer to anger, but we're actually looking to God's Word and to the Proverbs. And what, but what we can see from this is that everybody agrees this is a problem. Everybody agrees that, that anger is something that we have to deal with. And so what we see here before us in this wisdom from the Proverbs is that anger would seek to rule us. Anger would seek to rule us. But wisdom recognizes the authority of Jesus over even our anger. Now, anger seeks to rule us, but wisdom recognizes the authority of Jesus over our anger. And looking at the Proverbs here, we're going to look at three ways to help us better understand anger. We're going to look first at its power, second at its danger, and then finally at its resolution. So the power of anger, the danger of anger, and the resolution of anger. And as we look to the power of anger, I want to remind you, maybe you don't know about this in the first place, but how the Iliad begins, the great epic poem by Homer, it says, says, Rage, goddess, sing the rage of Peleus' son Achilles. And the book, the Iliad, which is about, we think of is about the Trojan War, really is about a very narrow period in the Trojan War. And it begins with Achilles sulking in his tent. Many of us have heard about this, right? And he's upset over a, a squabble with his friend Agamemnon over a woman. And he is furious. He is furious. So he refuses to fight. And this leads to the Trojans getting finally the upper hand against the Greeks because their best, the Greeks' best warrior is sitting in his tent just furious at the other Greeks so he won't fight. And the Trojans are winning. And it's only when the Trojans kill Achilles' best friend the Achilles then gets more angry at the Trojans than he is at the Greeks. So he goes to start fighting the Trojans, and then the rest, as they say, is history. But what we see in Achilles there is this ridiculous display of childish anger and pouting, which is so ridiculous that Homer could never get away with it if it wasn't completely true, if it didn't completely reflect the actual way our hearts work. Because Achilles... Achilles is a slave to his emotions. He is in bondage to his emotions. They rule him, and particularly his anger. And we see in that example that anger really does have the power to drive apart close friendships, close relationships. And we'll see that, too, as we, as we look through the Proverbs. But part of the reason this is, is anger is like the sledgehammer of emotions. So... There's a, there's a, we'll look and see that there's a place for anger, just like there's a place for a sledgehammer. But if anger is your go-to emotion, it'll be about as effective as the sledgehammer is your go-to tool for home repair. You're going to end up with a lot of damage and a lot of wreckage, far beyond what's appropriate. The sledgehammer is not a precision tool, nor is, nor is our anger. So what do the Proverbs say about the nature and power of anger. Take a look at Proverbs 14, 
16 and 17 there. It says, One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. We see a quick temper makes us act foolishly. It's reckless and careless. So one of the things we see about anger here is we see that it's oftentimes quick. Right, we see quick anger here. Look at Proverbs 14, 29, and 30, right after that. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. And we again see the foolishness of a quick temper. You might use the word rash to describe this particular kind of foolishness. And envy makes the bones rot. Well, we just saw that a moment ago as we were looking at that study that this idea that anger is actually worse for us than obesity and smoking. That it really does have these physical side effects that will destroy us. They'll look at Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Or are you hot-tempered as you think about your daily life? Are you hot-tempered? We all struggle with appropriate and we've all known the pain that comes from a quick temper. Because when anger comes upon us quickly, it makes us look like fools. This is the, the, the great word of Proverbs, this word of a fool that Proverbs is trying to help us move away from. And it says, quick anger leads to, to foolishness. But what have we seen in these Proverbs, just these first couple that we looked at, there's quick anger, but there's also something else. There's slow anger. When you look at Proverbs 16.32, it continues, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So Proverbs is calling us to be thoughtful about our anger, which is maybe a, a strange concept to some of us. To be thoughtful about our anger. Look at 19, verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is glory to overlook an offense. And we're starting, we're starting to get to a direction that is ultimately going to point us clearly to, to Jesus here. But I do want you to see, for, for those of you who, who are not yet believers in Jesus Christ, you're just visiting, you don't know what to do with this Jesus I want you to see some of the wisdom here in this book of Proverbs. That this is, this is good sense here. That being slow to anger and overlooking an offense, this is wisdom. But, it, but the wisdom of it is the slowness. The slowness to anger is important. We might think the, the answer is no anger rather than this quick anger slow anger. That wouldn't no anger be the best option for us? But we don't see that in the book of Proverbs. And what's more, we, we don't see that as we look to Jesus. And just briefly, I want us to think about the life of Jesus Christ that we have uh, recorded for us in the Gospels. Mark verse 5 tells us that Jesus was angry at the Pharisees who didn't want him to have compassion on a man with a withered hand. 
They didn't want him to heal him on the Sabbath. So Jesus was angry at them for that. Mark 10, verse 14, we see Jesus indignant with his disciples when they keep little children from him. And then in the Gospel of John, we see in, in chapter 11, Jesus gets greatly troubled when he finds out his friend Lazarus has died. But perhaps the most famous example of Jesus' anger comes in John 2, verses 13 through 17, when Jesus sees the money changers in the temple crowding out the people and taking advantage of people, and he makes a whip and he drives them out. And what you can see by looking at Jesus' anger is he gets angry when people are attacking or oppressing those whom he loved. The anger of Jesus was directly connected to his love and his compassion. And the same is true of us. Therefore, an absence of anger would really show an absence of love. Anger has the power to reveal our loves. And therein lies the problem. We love the wrong things. This summer, I went to the beach uh, with a couple friends from Trinity, and one of them was going to teach me how to surf. I had never been surfing before. I figured I've lived down here three and a half years. It's time for me to get out there and start riding waves. And so he gave me a surfboard, and we show up at the beach, and it's really choppy. And he says, I don't think this is a good day to learn. And I was like, come on, well, let's just give it a try. What's the worst that can happen? Because I'm a pretty good swimmer, and so I figured this will be fine. So we get, he first takes the other guy out, because we only have two boards, and I'm sitting on the beach reading, kind of getting excited, waiting for my turn, and the other guy comes back and says, it did not go well. I'm like, well, that's okay. I'll take the board, and I'll go meet my friend who's way out beyond the waves, and I'm swimming out, I'm on the board, and I don't really know what I'm doing, but he gave me some instructions, I'm swimming, and I'm getting really close, but then these final barrier of waves, I just can't get over it. I'm swimming as hard as I can, and my friends, they're waving at me. I'm starting to get really angry at you. Why don't you come help me? Or do something other than sitting there smiling on your board on the other side of the waves that I can't get past, just waving at me, <laughs> dumb grin on your face. And slowly but surely, the current is taking, well, actually not that slowly, it's just taking me farther and farther away from him, taking me north, up the coast, and he's gone at this point. He's not even smiling and waving anymore. I can't even see him. And I was just filled in that moment with rage, anger. And I was directing it at, at my friend. But fortunately, the tide took me really far away. So I had a lot of time to think uh, to myself before I talked to anybody. And as I was walking back, I why am I so angry at you? What did he do wrong? He didn't do anything. But you see, I think, love to think of myself as this, as this great swimmer, as this guy who, I, I don't want to look bad in front of people. And I looked, I felt like I looked foolish because I couldn't get out over the final waves. And so I saw that what I, what I loved in that moment was my own reputation, what people thought of me. 
And so when that was crossed, when that was attacked, my heart moved to anger. Anger that that would be taken from me. Anger at my friend, who fortunately I was no longer angry at. He stayed out there surfing for a while, and I got to cool off, thankfully. Or I would have looked foolish if I had the opportunity to say some of the things that were in my heart at that moment. And this takes us to the danger of anger. The danger, we've seen that, that the power of anger is not only to, to drive relationships apart, but to, to reveal our true loves. The danger of anger is, is really found in the fact that it, it's, it's like a drug. And that the more we have it, the more we want it, the more we need it. So we're going to look at the danger of anger from two perspectives, as we see in the Proverbs. First, the danger of anger in others. And then second, the danger of anger in ourselves. So, I think it's demonstrated well in Proverbs 19, 19. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. When someone lashes out at you in anger, it's not okay. And some of us are in relationships where we regularly are battered with other people's anger. And this is, that's a problem. But how are you going to handle the habitual excusing and avoiding of the anger in others doesn't make it go away. What Proverbs 19, 19 is saying there is it's going to keep coming. And you will pay the penalty for, for excusing it. But Proverbs also reminds us that it's unwise to provoke anger. And we see that in the, in the following proverb there. Proverbs 20, verse 2, the terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. And while not many of us have to deal with kings on a regular basis, we oftentimes have to deal with bosses or people in power over us in some way, it would be foolish for us to provoke to anger. And this isn't just sinful, the Proverbs is saying, it's just unwise. But then Proverbs 25, 23 reminds us that a gossip will actually lead people to get angry with us, you can see there. But what I really want us to focus in on are these four verses from chapter 27. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than growth. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, refuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, First, we're reminded of the foolishness of provoking someone. Why would you want to make someone angry? Why would you want to bring that wrath upon yourself? You wouldn't. But yet, we find ourselves doing this. So maybe the solution would be to avoid making people angry at all costs. And to, to really embrace that role of, I'm just never going to make people around me angry. Except for the fact that verse 5 and 6 point us to a different way, a better way. And they challenge, they challenge us with the fact that true love rebukes. True love challenges. And to love someone means a willingness to challenge them even, even in their anger. Not to simply let the anger that you are being bombarded with wash over you. But, it, but at times, and this is where the Proverbs call us to wisdom. At times, it is important and right for us to stand and, and, and love in the face of this anger 
by saying, no, this is not okay. And so the Proverbs call us to walk this path of wisdom. Don't incite anger, but don't avoid anger. So don't bring it on needlessly. Don't just push your spouse's buttons, your brother or sister's buttons. Don't, uh, don't run away from the anger, but actually confront the anger in love when it comes upon us. Because in this passage, now the same, these same verses turn around to look at the danger of anger in ourselves, and we see that anger blinds us to correction. Right? That's what these verses are saying. They make us defensive and hostile towards even our closest friendships, our closest relationships. And so, here's a question for you in figuring out how you're doing with your anger. Do you have close friends in your life who will say hard things to you? Are there people that you know who, who can say hard, true things to you? Or have you scared them off in your anger? Does your spouse wound you lovingly by calling out your sin? Or have you put up walls of hostility? Proverbs 29, verse 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. So here are two questions for us in self-reflection as we look to our own hearts. Are we, are we men and women of wrath? Tim Keller says, anger is love in motion, and your anger reveals your love. So here's the first question in self-reflection. What is making you angry? What were the things that made Jesus angry? We talked about them before. It was seeing those whom he loved oppressed, seeing evil attacking those whom he loved. And he was slow to anger towards those who crossed him. Remember, even as he is taken to the cross, he, he is not angry with those people. But he's, but he's praying, you know, Father, forgive them. But when, but when those whom he loves are attacked, are oppressed, there we see there we see his anger. So, what is your anger making you do? Here's the second question for you. What is making you angry? And what is your anger making you do? And if it leads you to strike out against those who love you, what you're seeing is your loves are being challenged. Your loves are being challenged. And when your greatest love is yourself, your anger will always be kindled by the things that cross you, by the things that cost you. And we cannot be a people who strike out at the ones who would love us and who would actually challenge us, who would actually rebuke us, who would actually, in love, speak the truth to us. And that's why Proverbs are telling us and trying to make it so clear how damaging this anger is if we would let it rule us. Because wisdom calls us to have Jesus be Lord even over our anger. I, I regularly love to run ministry ideas by my wife. And one of the weirdest things to me is when she starts offering up her critiques or criticisms of my ideas for ministry. Because really I just... I'm expecting her to tell me how great I am 
and say, oh yes, that's a great idea. What a wonderful idea, husband. You are so wise. But when she actually starts saying, well, I don't, have you thought this through? This is this. Well, suddenly she's crossing me. And I find myself moving into defensiveness, moving into anger, and moving into denial over my own sin. And what we see as we regularly battle anger by the, in the things that cross us is that we need a resolution of anger. And the Proverbs actually show us the resolution of anger and point us to Jesus. So, first, look at Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred serves up strife, but love covers all offenses. You know, there's an alternative to that fight, flight, avoid, attack mentality. And it's love. Because love is not abandoning another person. And it's, and it's not fighting back with anger. But it does mean getting your hands dirty. And it does mean embracing the, the messiness of relationships, of sinful relationships. And so the resolution of anger comes first from questioning our anger. Why are we so angry? But this leads us to vulnerability. We all want a way to deal with anger that doesn't cost us anything. I get that. We don't, we don't want... This, we don't want the gospel to cost us anything. We don't want following Jesus to cost us anything. But that's because we love something more than Jesus. We love our sin. And if we don't start asking the question of, in the, of why are we getting so angry? Why, what are we loving more than Jesus? Then we'll never know the resolution of our anger. Because we need to learn to start questioning our anger. And that starts after the fact. After the blow-up, after the mess, you got to say, why? Why did that happen? Why was I so angry? And, and hopefully, as the Spirit works in us, we will get to a place where in the moment, in our anger, we can say, why? What is going on here? What am I so angry about? What do I love here more than Jesus? But then the anger, of, the, the resolution of anger continues most beautifully through forgiveness, through the covering of anger in forgiveness. Proverbs 15.1 says what? A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, we're deeply insecure people. And when we are attacked, when we are crossed, and our anger shows, we're, we're trying to, to hide how insecure we are, how defensive we are, by going on the offensive. And when speaking to one another in love, we need to recognize those insecurities, that, that sin that is at work within ourselves and within each other. And rather than responding to the anger, respond to what's beneath the anger. Respond to the hurt, the wound that's really there. And the Proverbs are showing us that when we let our anger shine in its full glory and it's returned with love, we will be undone. This famous verse from Proverbs 25, 21 and 22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. one thing to do this in our families, but God actually calls us to take this out into the 
God actually calls his people to go and, and show this kind of love, not just to the people you're close to, but even to your enemies, to the people who hate you. And the resolution of anger, ultimately, is seen most clearly as we point one another to the covering of love known in Jesus Christ. Because we are not capable of this sort of thing on our own. The church does not go and say, oh, you got to be part of the church. The church is, church is so great, we're all, you know, we're all better people now. The church points to Jesus Christ. Because we read these Proverbs and we see we're fools. We're no different from anybody else out there. We are fools in our anger. And we cannot love like this. No one can love like this. And that's why you struggle to believe that God can love you. Because God has every reason to be angry with you, if God worked the same way that you and I do. But we see again and again in Scripture that this promise that He is slow to anger and abounding in what? Steadfast love. Unmovable love. And so He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. But rather, He pursues us in the midst of our anger, and He pours out His wrath not on us, the ones who deserve it, but on His Son, who covers our offenses with His love. And it's only when you know this love that the power of anger and the power in yourself and the power of anger in others, that you'll be able to break the hold of that anger. Because Jesus has claimed his people, and he's called us to grow in wisdom, in seeing that we need to align even our anger to the priorities of God's kingdom. So Paul tells us to be angry and do not sin. Love what Jesus loves. Be angry over injustice and oppression. But, but do not let your anger rule you. Instead, let the love of Christ fill your hearts. And we can only do that when we know our great need for this love of Christ. And so anger seeks to rule us, but wisdom recognizes the authority of Jesus over our anger. So, so let us be a people who question our anger, who admit to our anger, and most importantly, who repent of our anger. And let us be, therefore, people who are slow to anger and quick to repent. We might bear witness to the wisdom and love this great God at work in our lives. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your great love. That you would, would take sinful, angry people like us and, and love us. It makes no sense to this world, but the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. And so we pray, we pray now, Lord, that you would make us a people marked by a slowness to anger, by a quickness to repent, by an eagerness to love one another. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name.